Chad here from Best Pictures, and this has not been my week for a lot of reasons, many of which you'll hear later in the episode. I've had a bad week, and one of those ways is we lost most of this episode about one of my favorite movies of all time, The Darjeeling Limited. That's right. In 2007, we have talked about Paul Thomas Anderson, Danny Boyle, and then a Wes Anderson movie. It's almost as if this podcast is run by three white film nerds in their 20s. Before the recording cut out, we had a fun conversation about movies we've recently seen and upcoming movies we're excited about, like Mank. So sit back and enjoy those, and then hear our brief thoughts on the Darjeeling Limited. And uh, yeah, that's the best we could do with Beth's pictures this week. Hope you enjoy. Look at these assholes. This is Best Pictures, the podcast where we pick our favorite movies for every year we've been alive. I'm Cody Lunsford, and I'm joined, as always, by... I'm Chad, and are those dad's glasses? Is that my belt? I'm Mark. And I'm here, too. Um, so, guys, the way, yeah. the way this show works, we each pick our favorite movie for every year we've been alive. Yeah, and so and um, we're in 2000... I'm the host of this podcast. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm telling the the um the listeners that supposedly exist Ugh. yeah um we it's 2007 and we've already talked about some bangers of movies but now it's um chad's turn and he wants to talk about a wes anderson movie to the shock yes. of the nation um <laughs> i mean it could have been a richard link later it could have been come out with something in 2007? in 2007 uh shit okay let me look to uh, richard link later that would have been before to Bernie. Chad's credit to chad's credit we did skip i think two wes anderson movies yeah, we skipped the Royal Tenenbaum, which people say is one of his best. So that one, I like it a lot. Yeah. I just, I like it a I, lot too. I feel like it was up against something. I like that one as well. Else, I don't remember what year that was. And it, then it uh, was against uh, up against something else. That's true. Yes, that is true. Uh, other movies came out that year. <laughs> um, but uh, then the other one was the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Yeah, I did not. Uh, pick that one. So in 2006, Link later directed Fast Food Nation and A Scanner Darkly. And then in 2008, he directed Me and Orson Welles, which is the one I've been meaning to watch because gotcha. that's a Zach Efron movie. Um, it weird. also could be a fun, like, mank, mank. double feature. Oh, Chad, Chad said the words mank, 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 mank. Mank and me horny. Uh, for the listeners, this podcast is a Mank Stan podcast. Absolutely, so I mean, we assume so. We assume Happy we're going to like it. No, it doesn't matter if it's Look, good. It, the the if name I of the movie like it, is. Mank. I will continue to stand. <laughs> it's like a, it's like Chappie. I don't watch Chappie, but hearing yeah, the word Chappie was is, pretty funny. It is officially a Chappie Stan podcast, <laughs> right. even though none of us have seen Chappie. None of us have Mark, seen Chappie. 
I, I don't know if I stand Chappie. I haven't seen it, but Chappie is no mank. But it no. is a fun bit every time there is a robot on the screen <laughs> to point at the screen and, and say to my wife, that's Chappie. Right, which you know, is what I will... Chappie is that it's directed by not David Fincher. So, right, yeah. You know? I am, I'm, I'm pretty convinced based on Fincher's um, track record. But the other thing is now, similar to the Chappie bit, anytime I see a screenwriter on a film, I will point to my wife, I will nudge my wife and say that's mank <laughs> that's mank <laughs> anytime a screenwriter is portrayed any screenwriter you're watching trumbo yeah. and you go hey that's mank <laughs> that's mank <laughs> watching adaptation Look, that's mank um <laughs> do we think mank's gonna trumbo like surely not right trumbo still got more, oscar noms but mank like looks better mank has more hype ahead of time than trumbo did and trumbo was largely like a performance based hype i think people were excited to see cranston but they weren't really yeah, who even Jazz directed Trumbo? I don't, also, I don't like, know. what movies did Trumbo write? Well, he was blacklisted, so he wrote a lot of things under pseudonyms. I'm not sure. Yeah, like what? I don't know. Not Citizen they Kane. Citizen Kane? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I guess that's the big one, huh? <laughs> um, Mank. Um, just, I, I, I just think to myself... What I a, do want to make sure, because we talk over each other ahead uh-huh. a, a lot in this podcast, uh-huh. that when I said, you're making me horny, that came <laughs> it through. It did come through. Oh, it yeah. definitely came okay. through. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also just want to go ahead. Uh, uh, he's going to mank Netflix great again. Uh, see, we don't uh, need that. that. We're leaving That's... that in the past. We're leaving yeah. that in the past. All Sorry, mank puns are comes good out, except that one. <laughs> this podcast comes out on Monday, November 2nd. So let's let the listeners not think about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if these listeners are anything like me, it'll be a couple days before they get around to this. Right. I've been behind on podcasts. It's almost and like even still, releasing daily. Even still, Mark, let's say they're listening to it on November 5th. Let's let them think about something else. <laughs> Listen, yeah. we want them to focus on Manksgiving, um, and uh, Chris Mank is coming up, or is it Mankmas? We'll decide later. Um, but Mank season is upon us, and that wasn't there a Pokemon that was like called Mankey or something? Yeah, yeah, was... yeah Mankey yeah, is Mankey. a Pokemon. Which yeah, my Twitter right, fun. my Twitter name right now is Pokemank. Go to the polls, <laughs> so everything's full circle. I feel like there's a some kind of a parody. You could put the Mankey in. Black I feel and like white. that would kind of be a little bit more confusing. Oh, if you if you made your uh, if you made your icon a, a black and white manky, that would actually be great. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really funny, actually. Oh, mank. Um, but we're not here to so, talk about mank yet. Are we going to talk about mank when it comes out? You betcha. Probably. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, and will we talk about David Fincher movies in the future? Yes. Have we talked about one will in the past? About... Yes. But we're not. But Cody. We're talking Cody. about someone else of white college boy uh, but, canon but before today. We do, but before we do, what Cody, you go first. What movies have you seen? At the Mancaplex? At the Megaplex. At the Mancaplex? At the Mancaplex or at the Manca Home? The Cinemank? Um, the Cinemank 15? Cinemank. Um... Shit, I don't normally go first here. Um, what did I see? Oh, I saw a movie called Synchronic. Whoa, that sounds like a drug. You'd be right, because that's the name of a drug I, I, in this movie. Uh, I don't know if that's what any of us thought. Well, it's a name of I mean, a drug chronic in a movie. Is like yeah, a, Chronic's a drug. Yeah, um, it's for, true. Yeah, so um, it is directed by Moorhead and Benson, a directing duo that has made some kind of um, pretty interesting, like, 
indie genre movies. Um, They're made for kind of small budgets, but they always, like, look really good. Um, Their movie Spring, which I think Mark and I both really like a lot, is basically uh, Before Sunrise, but there is a genre angle to it. I remember you guys talking about that on Pod the year that came out for, like, the Megaplex section. Um, It was 2014, so I don't think so, but... Oh, or maybe probably, it was a film I festival. We talked about or the endless. We did talk the about the endless. They, Moorhead and Benson are like staples at Chattanooga Film Fest. Right. We we talk. You're right, Chad. We did talk about the endless as a mega a mancaplex thing, and <laughs> we we referenced spring when talking about Got the it. endless. Okay, that's that's what I'm thinking because yeah. that pitch. It sounds familiar. You might have even talked about it on our Before Sunrise episode. Probably. Probably. I think that it's it's it, it seems like it's inspired by Before Sunrise. Absolutely. Cool. And but it but it's got kind of like a genre horror like angle to it as well. Yeah. And then the endless, you know, um, the endless is a little harder to describe, but it's also really it's good. still genre. Oh, genre, but yeah. Um, and this one, this is probably their biggest budget movie, and this is the one that has big Hollywood stars in it because it has Anthony Mackie and Cape check, Cape check, um, and Jamie Dornan, uh, whip check. Uh, whip check. <laughs> He's in 50 shades of gray. Wait. Oh, <laughs> um, and it's got Katie. Ace. I think we should do a whip check anytime. Like Dakota Johnson. shows or, up. In uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then Katie Azelton from the League and League Check, League Check, League Check. Um, is in it. And uh, it's really good. It's basically about this drug you take that allows you to um, experience time differently. I don't want to spoil too much about it, but this is a movie that is right up Mr. Chadwick's mm, alley. Synchro- synchronize. Synchronize. Synchronic. So, that's, okay. That's a fun play on words. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. Um, I, I think that this is time to now let the listeners in on the secret of we're using a new uh, video <laughs> platform to record the podcast. Yeah. And we do have captions turned on. So, watching Chad try and figure out the word synchronic over captions um, is delightful. I'm sorry you guys can't experience it, but well, just I was like, know it. We pause I was and look at words. bringing the word synchronize or like. I was trying to think of other time-based sync words yeah. uh, that they're playing with there. Right. But I wonder if it would like, recognize just the struggling. between, like, syncing times in the kitchen sink. Well. Oh, apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. The, 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 I mean, there is some elements that the synchronizing word makes a lot of sense once you've seen it, but... Um, I will let you guys watch it. You would really uh, enjoy it. It also kind of plays on the idea of like, hey, white uh, or traveling through time is great if you're a white person, and but it's Anthony Mackie who is traveling through time, uh, and it is not as great for him. And that's kind of you know a big part of the movie. It's set in New Orleans, is that? It is set in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. That's. Literally like an old Louis C.K. bit. Yeah. Like white privilege is like, I can travel anywhere in the past and be yeah. met with open arms, but I'm not traveling <laughs> to the future because this shit can't last forever. All right. And, Which, well, little yeah. did Louis C.K. knew if he had traveled in time a little bit, um, it he would have not been very welcoming to him. Um, nope. Well, places like the, 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 
the Come Factory Fest or like what shitty comedy festival or, like or Dave Chappelle's band. like ranch or whatever where he had. Yeah, I guess yeah. more and more people like like the Sarah Silvermans and the Dave Chappelle's. Uh, yeah. They are kind of like opening their arms to him again. Yeah, and he's opening up his dick to them. Yeah, um, great. It's almost like rich people are always uh, serving the interest of rich people. Hey. <laughs> Hey. hey, hey, everything's fun. Synchronic, you would really like Chad. Mark, I think you would yeah, like because like you like Moorhead and Benson quite a bit, but yeah. the time travel thing is um, directly an arrow uh, towards Chad. Hey, well, um, uh, if we're. The Endless is also a time travel ish. Kind ish. Ish, yeah. Uh, you need to watch all their uh, movies, honestly, Chad. I, I really think you would like stand it. them pretty hard. Isn't before sun or that before sunrise? But the uh, spring. Sun, what spring. is it? Spring. That's like zombies, but romance. It's not zombies. Um, oh. it's not zombies. It's like it Lovecraft. Like it. It's Lovecraftian, uh, okay. yeah. But also like mermaids a little bit, but not like Little Mermaid. <laughs> like uh, it's it is like pretty unique in its genre. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever cool. seen like a a genre movie quite like, like a it. like a sci-fi horror adjacent romance movie in its same genre yeah interesting um yeah you should watch all those um but speaking of time mark you watched never rarely sometimes always which are four adjectives for time that's true i i guess i thought i was gonna talk about the trial of chicago seven but you're sure. right you're um, right you are i <laughs> fucked up you're talking about trials. So speaking of time, speaking of time, Mark, it's time for you to talk about the trial of Chicago Seven. Yeah, we can travel is, back that, in time to 1968, I think. Uh, shortly thereafter, yeah. the Democratic could Convention we, was in 68. Could we right, maybe right. bump that up one more year? Sixty, sixty-nine. No, nice. that's what nice. talking about. No, yeah, well, um. we're saving that for Chad's. Uh. Although I don't think 69 is a Borat thing as much as we just weirdly do a Borat voice when we talk about yeah, it. Yeah, the nice is Borat. Nice the 69 is, is not. Very, very, very nice. <laughs> very nice. Um, yeah, A Travel of Chicago 7 is not Borat, although it does have it Borat does. Borat in is in it. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen is one of the main characters. Sasha is Baron? it nice, though? Yeah. It is. It it's is a good nice. performance. I, I like the movie a lot. Yep, me too. Um... I mean, I love me a good uh, trial movie. I th- like that that time period of like the 1968 National Con- Democratic National Convention is like a big deal. Especially like the movie starts off with like MLK being shot, JFK being shot, yep. RFK being shot, and it's like all of your like you know pivotal left wing members are just being like killed off. So it's kind of about like the the period after that where the democratic party is trying to figure out what it's doing different factions of it fighting but also about the government um and nixon's government specifically like trying to crack down on protests and radicalization and stuff like that well, um that, there's a lot going on that sounds it, like something i can't really relate yeah to i don't really understand yeah it it's like it's all left in the past i don't know this is maybe not the year for something yeah. about Riots uh-huh. and authoritarian governments and yeah. politics in general. Or, like, so like judges that completely disregard how laws actually work and just do it on, like, personal preference. Like, I can't yeah. find anything relevant yeah. about that. <laughs> this sucks. Anyway, listener, <laughs> election is so close. <laughs> you can tell. I, th- I mean, this probably happened when we were recording in 2016, too. But, like... 
We were we, recording in 2016. We were doing our other show in 2016, and it was. Right. Uh, but I just, um, you can tell that our minds, it's hard not to think about other things. Well, that's the thing. It's, I mean, we've said it since, like, February or March that since, like, specifically the coronavirus, like, affects literally every aspect right. of life. It is impossible not to think about it. But I feel like that's true of everything this year. It's like everything feels so immediately consequential to like, yeah. 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 So it's hard not to think about it, even like, when we're talking I, about I, movies. I feel like literally every election that I've been like really conscious for has been presented as like the most important election ever. Sure. And like, mm-hmm. I think in some of those, like I thought that I was a very conservative boy in 2008 and I thought that Obama being president would be like the beginning of the end. Right. Uh, and like ended up being a okay, um, AOC. Nope. Later, <laughs> later, later was AOC. Um, but but this this has a similar feeling to it. But I feel like I believe that feeling a little bit more. Oh, than definitely. I have a little bit more reason in my little brain. I I also think there's a bit of uh, all three of us were probably a little scared of uh, talking about politics on the show previously, and then we realized that you know. Our parents are who gives a shit, but also our parents don't listen, so who cares? No, <laughs> right? And yeah, I think my mom tried to listen to an episode when the show first came out, uh huh. And one of our first episodes was The Lion King, in which I professed that <laughs> you Nala were horny for Nala, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure if she made it to that episode, she no longer listened, <laughs> no longer listen after that, yeah. yeah. And also, like. Fuck being apolitical at this point. You know, like, stuff matters. And that's kind of what Chicago 7 touches on, I guess. I mean, it's it's inherently about how protest matters and this farcical trial, it still mattered that it happened. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of it is about... Like, you know, there there are people who think it's a real trial that they're trying to, like, convince the judge they didn't do anything wrong. But there are other people who are saying this is a political trial that's basically like a show trial. Which it so was. we should present our case to the public instead of to the, to the judge. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, I feel like that's the conversation that Sorkin is trying to figure out there is, like, at what, at what point should we try to reform the system or what, what point should we try to reform – the people in order to get the power to right. actually reform the system. Well, and I think you and, pointed out, Mark, Sorkin in the past on his various, you know, West Wing, the newsroom, yeah. that sort of thing, his his approach to protest has kind of been a little dismissive, a little of like, well, if we just sat down and had, you know, um, decorum and had conversations and stuff like that, it would be solved. And this is kind of a movie where he's realizing the value of protest, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, like there's a, there's like a monologue in the last season of the West wing. Uh, And if you haven't seen the last season of the West wing, like I understand there's some rough seasons before that, but it's a good season of TV. Uh, But it's a, like the person's basically saying that like, we're, you know, our government is like built for like moderates and we should like take baby steps and like, Mm -hmm. You know, take take small steps forward toward progress, and this this movie seems like he's rethinking that a little bit because we are coming right out of an era of where it wasn't a moderate who got elected. Yeah, um, and to be fair, Sorkin also didn't write the last season of The West Wing. So. Yeah, you know, but it's still his his ethos. It, uh, yes, through. It's, the show was inspired by his right 
thoughts? Um, it's I think it's really good. From the Oscar nerd in me, I am fascinated by the fact that there is no lead character and they are all campaigning in supporting. They're not even going to do anybody oh, in lead, yeah. which I think is really, really fascinating. Well, I mean, it makes... I mean, we... Me and Cody talked about, like, who would be the lead character and couldn't settle on one. Yeah. So I guess, like... My impression was that the succession dude was the main character. Not even close. He's not. No. no. Interesting. It, it's it either Sasha Baron Cohen or Eddie Redmayne, I think. Yeah, it's one of those two. Um, and by the way, I have been a... I have been Eddie Redmayne agnostic for his entire career. Uh, Eddie Redmank. <laughs> Eddie Redmank. Sorry. Um, I think he's great in this movie, and this is probably my favorite performance that he's ever done. Because um, I am normally quite hesitant to him as a performer, yeah. and I think he's great. I in this like movie. him more in the the Fantastic Beast movies than you do. Yeah, um, I you don't, don't really th- like him in this. No, movies. not really. Yeah, I like what he's doing. It's fun, and then I like Les Mis a lot. And he's good. I don't remember him. Other than that, Lame is is the thing. Um, But you don't remember him in Lame is? Not really. I've watched that movie once. I, I, (laughs) you're not. You're not watching again. It's good. I well, someone is telling me that I might have to for a podcast, so I'm going to wait into that point. I do have it on Blu right now. Um, Dope. So yeah, I, I I think. uh, uh, back to the supporting actor thing. I think it's a little bit of Netflix strategy because they are campaigning a lot of movies this year and will probably be winning a lot of categories this year. And so do they necessarily want anybody from the cast of Chicago 7 competing against Gary Oldman for Mank or Mank. Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? Both ones we know they're going to campaign and lead. So it's a little strategy as well. Um, but... I don't know. It's interesting. Do you think Bozeman could get it for uh, the the Five Bloods too? Uh, there, everyone is saying that it's probably going to be Ma Rainey's whatever that one instead. They're going to yeah. push him yeah. for that be because his it's final performance, right? Yes, they're yeah. they're going to push. Well, technically, his final performance will be in Marvel's What If, but like that's an animated voice <laughs> thing he did two years ago. I I hardly <laughs> consider that yeah. a performance. Like, honestly, I mean, I. Love animation, and I think What If is yeah. going to be great, but he did record but that, that full-on two and a half years ago. And that would not ever... A vocal performance just isn't an Oscar performance. So this is his like, also, last Oscar performance. Sure, yes. Also, What If is not an Oscar TV show. <laughs> no, it's not. That's true. That's no, true. it's not. But yeah, I, it seems like the consistency the consensus is they will push him for Ma Rainey because it's a lead performance. Um, I don't know... People have won posthumously for supporting, but I don't know that anybody has ever won posthumously for um, lead. I am not sure. I I think it's pretty rare. I mean, obviously Heath Ledger, but I think that there's only like two or three posthumous wins. And I think those were all supporting, but I, I could be wrong. Um, but so, yeah, so, so they're trying to figure out some strategy there of what they're going to push because they can only push so many. Um, so we'll see what Netflix's strategy ends up being. I wonder if they drop the ball on Defy Bloods, period, and don't do very well at pushing that one at all. Well, you started talking about Woody Allen. <laughs> 
Spike did. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I also think, like, they have this run of, like, movies from October to December that they're all going to push very hard. And that's Ma yeah. Rainey's, that's Mank, that's fucking think... Hillbilly Elegy, even though that trailer made me want to run into traffic. It looks horrendous, <laughs> but they're still going to push no, it like crazy. Um, and yeah. Chicago and I, you guys is... know that white people can be poor? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I... I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> Hey, um, guys, we're like almost 30 minutes into the podcast, and I haven't talked about the movie I watched. Oh, fine. And I'm feeling left out. Okay. Can I talk about yes. it? Yes. Yeah, is this a movie that you watched with your wife? My wife! And I watched a film uh-huh. called Borat Subsequent Movie Film, um, something about... No, uh, uh, that that's the that's, that's the official title. They have the okay. other titles that they throw up sometimes, but that yeah. is the official title. Borat subsequent movie film. It's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> not gonna not gonna like change your life or anything, but uh, I kind of think my my take on it, I guess, is that Borat one um, is kind of this lightning in a bottle situation that just can't really be imitated. I think the closest that anything has come to imitating it is like uh sasha baron cohen's who is america series or nathan um, for you nathan for you i was almost gonna mention as like being very much in the same blood and nathan fielder like had something to do with this new the, dire- movie. Uh, the director of nathan for you directed the movie but i think nathan fielder himself also probably yeah nathan fielder was or something nathan fielder was pretty involved in who is america yeah. so it would make sense yeah, Which there, there you... were a lot of like alt comedy people just associated with the writing process of this yeah. movie. Yeah, I saw like Brandon Mordell tweeted he had like a small writing credit for writing a few jokes on it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and yeah. I think Gabriel Gundacker might have had some as well. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah, He's maybe. kind of in that same pocket of like, yeah, just like I don't know. They're like weird humor comedians to me. Yeah, they're weird. Yeah. It, what? What? Um, that's interesting to hear you say that, Jack, because I find this movie much more successful than Borat one. So I th- that kind of makes sense to me that you say that because I think and it's not like I, I think there's like a maybe a difference in like taste going on sure. between me and you. I think that like. Borat 2 certainly has more of a heart to it. Oh, absolutely. It works better like, as a film, kind of undeniably. Yeah. But, like, Borat 1, I think, did a better job of, like, just displaying America as it was and, like, hit, p- pulled no punches. And it was just like, here it is. Here's what you get. He, he was just, like, this agent of chaos. And then right. now, it, now it feels like Sasha Baron Cohen. It's not a bad thing that he's, like, trying to, like, s- say something about like feminism through this movie that was a big part of it was like uh his daughter finding a voice and Mm -hmm. it's not a bad thing but it's just not that same like chaotic energy like i don't know if eric andre season five which just came out all of a sudden eric andre introduced like a daughter storyline and he's like connecting with her that would feel really weird because he is just an agent of chaos yeah but i also notoriously Um, have watched clips of that and hate it with every fiber of my being so (laughs) see that and that's the difference between you and me i think is i appreciate that just like chaotic energy um i do love nathan filder though but his is a different brand of it you're right eric andre is just chaos like that is his yeah. thing. Nathan Fielder's a little bit about Nathan Fielder. His is about like, revealing 
humans a bit. You know, it's a yeah. bit like let me drill down into how humans it's, like work, which I think it's Borat a, I think Two it's does. An, it's an evolution beyond the first Borat movie, is Nathan for you? Because yeah. it's like Borat is just like, hey, look at all these idiots, right? But then Nathan for you is like, but also look at their humanity on the inside. Exactly. You know? like, and yeah. isn't there just some inherent hu- humor in how we function as humans? And mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I think Borat to like, I don't know. I, I, I find Borat to very interesting because it is a movie that a lot of the people who quoted Borat for six years unironically <laughs> will hate Borat to. Like, yeah, you're probably right. Because it's I think kind of going to think that the the liberals ruined Borat, making it a message. You know, I I absolutely think there are people who missed the satire of Borat one, mm-hmm. and 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 definitely found it that as seems, a. I so I just recently watched Borat one for the first time. Sure, and it seems hard to miss the satire. I would agree, it, or at least the irony. But I also know many people in my high school who loved the movie and who are the type of people that the movie was making fun of at points. So they saw it as, you know, the dumb foreign reporter, um, which is... It's also just like he's saying inappropriate things and that's funny. Right. Because people are uncomfortable. Right. You know, stuff like that. Like that very baseline level. But I think this one... Yeah, but like I feel like the scene where he's singing the Kazakh national anthem at the rodeo... Yeah. ...is like so funny. (laughs) Yeah. But if you're like... I don't know how you can not... Like, I feel like when you watch that, you have to recognize that he's making fun. I don't, like, I don't know. I don't I don't know how you watch that. As yeah, I, 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 I agree, mean, but it happens. It, yeah. Um, and very strange. It, it's very, I mean, it's the Stephen Colbert thing, right? You know, there were some people. It Now, eventually they got to the point where they realized it was all a joke. But there were people early on who thought, oh, Car- Colbert's the funny conservative speaking for me. He's yeah. being funny, oh, but he yeah. is really a conservative. And it's like, no, he's not. Yeah, he's making fun of you. <laughs> um, have you guys watched the new show on HBO Max? It's um, Nathan Fielder is also. The How To. How To. I have yeah. not yet, but I've wanted to. One. One episode has come out, and it I think you'd like it a lot, yeah. Cody. It's very much just about, like, how... I guess it's just... Episode one, at least, seemed to be just about how freaking awkward it is to be a human. Yeah. And interactions are weird. What's the What's the premise of the first episode? It the So every episode seems to be, like, it's how to something. So episode yeah. one was how to do small talk. And <laughs> oh, okay. Something He's, I hate. So that's fun. <laughs> And yeah, it just it, it. I feel like it takes a little while to get into what the show is, but once it's there, you're just like, oh my gosh! Like this, I right. could see this being like my, one of my favorite shows. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I, it's very much in that Nathan for you pocket, but sweet. It's also all shot like first person. Like he's just mm-hmm. carrying a camera, and it's just him and the camera. His name's John Wilson. Wilson. Yep. I think John Wilson. Yeah. Um. I um, I, I just like Nathan for you is probably one of my favorite shows. I, I think so that show is brilliant. <laughs> Um, and, and Finding Francis is just a masterpiece. It's, it's so well done. It's like my favorite documentary. There is a Nathan for... Uh, yeah, there's a Nathan Filder Safty Brothers show coming to yeah. HBO at some point, which is... No, I can't wait. weird. <laughs> yeah, I am I just, so intrigued. I just want to see what that is. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what to yeah. expect. I mean, I feel like Eric... Like, uh, Nathan Free Nathan Fielder plus Safety Brothers is Eric Andre. So I right. I don't know where they're what going it is. With that. Yeah. 
Um, but but I would say yeah. Back to Borat too. It it as a movie just functions way better. There's there's a twist in it. There's heart to it. There's like real emotional beats and stuff. I mean, the first movie basically had the. The, the, the driving plot was he wanted to meet Pamela Anderson. And this mm-hmm. one is his relationship with his daughter. So one is just going to work well, better than the, the other. The driving plot is to he begin wants with, to sell his daughter to Mike to Pence begin with, yes. to Rudy Giuliani. To begin with, but, yes. No, the, but it, the babysitter that they found, and she's been all over the news lately, th- she honestly made the movie yeah. ten times better. Yeah. Like her scenes where she's like telling Borat's daughter that she has like inherent value and right. like purpose right apart from like pr- pleasing men right it's like so it's good. very good I, I i also think like um it's it's just fascinating to watch it in the world that we're in like the fact that the movie yeah. adjusted to the coronavirus happening while they were filming it yeah. um yeah. was crazy um the last thing i'll say on borat 2 is the rudy giuliani thing was very hyped up and it's not it's not quite what it was made out to yeah. be. His excuse is plausible. It's plausible. Regardless, to, he went into yeah. a hotel room with a young rep- reporter and was still very like grabby on her at other points. But mm. that particular no, I moment, I don't yeah, th- he's a creep. I don't think he's a good guy. No. But that particular moment, and it's also like you know Borat bust in at that point. I really think that was a bit of Sasha Baron Cohen being like, this shit's about to go too far. Let me stop it. Like, so it kind of got stopped mm. before it even happened. And I feel like if he had waited 10 more seconds, something could there have happened. might have been right. something incriminating, but, but what, we'll never know now. Yeah, but what happened? But it, it was very much a, like, Sasha the person. He, he still had the Borat mm-hmm. performance when he came out, but he was definitely like... This I've got to stop it, which um, you know is interesting. I mean, it's also just a sign that Rudy Giuliani is very gullible. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Is there which... something like recently, like real news, that he completely believed <laughs> and completely fabricated an entire story and was kind of like completely believed something and there's no proof of it? I don't know. I don't know. Nope. Don't know. <laughs> yeah. Can't think of anything. Anyway, I don't. I, I don't want to rush into Josh Grint, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's Cody, Mark, and Chad from the future. Uh, this is normally where we would jump into um, into talking about Darjeeling Limited, but we already did, and great time has become untethered from us. And in these unprecedented times, we have, uh, you know, you know, shit fucked up, and we lost the recording, guys. Okay, and we were recording this on Sunday night because a lot of other bad things had happened, and we wanted to uh, still get this episode out to not fuck up our schedule. Of errors this week, um, tragedy of yeah. errors. Um, we we, okay. we can say comedy on the on the outside, but uh, Chad, things aren't going well for Chad. Maybe this becomes a segment of no. Chad. Tell you don't want to talk about all the things that went bad for you this well, week. There's been a horrible week in general my laptop stopped working because mm-hmm. i barely spilled coffee on it um mm-hmm. i truly barely spilt any like it spilt it right. on the, the, the top like it wasn't right. open it was like the surface i wiped it off immediately and then set it aside and then it and it's a pandemic off. so he couldn't get to an apple store very easily it was very right. complicated so i then finally that, dropped it yeah. off and I'm still waiting on it to get back. And it's the night before this episode is supposed to come out. Uh-huh. 
And I'm recording on a laptop I don't usually work with, and it's been technical issues all day to even get it working the way I needed it to. Um, but... Chad's forgetting the part where his car battery was stolen out of his car. Yeah, so I had to deal with that all yesterday and the day before. And my car battery was stolen out of my car on the day that there was street cleaning. And so I left yeah. a note explaining to the ticket officer... Why I couldn't move my car, and please don't give me a ticket, because there's literally nothing I can do. And they still ticketed me. Um, I don't know. And now, like, an episode for, like, my favorite movie of all time. It was a good, fun conversation I enjoyed with my friends. I yep. thought it was funny. thought it was... It was honestly a great episode. Was... <laughs> the th- guys, no joke, it really was a good episode. Yeah. And like my energy is so bad right now. My energy was pretty good before. It was pretty good. It was good. Pretty, it was pretty really good. Like 180 for Chad. In the like last all, 10 all, all um, things considered, um, like the is that an NPR podcast? It is an NPR that podcast. is an NPR. You would have heard some great NPR jokes, uh, or maybe they like, did. I can't remember I when that happened. <laughs> they oh, might have been in the Megaplex. Listen. Chad's going through it, as the kids say, and uh, we just, I, there just was not a lot of time. We didn't want to record this on election night, um, because Chad that is, could have only been worse. Chad is, as the kids say, not having a great time. Straight up not having a great time. <laughs> yeah. um, this, he does so, have a great time watching this movie, in general. Yes, he I loved do. it. Um, yeah. Before the recording cut out, um, Chad said that he liked this better than Sunshine. Cody said that he liked Sunshine uh-huh. better than this. And I was deliberating. We, we, it was very uh, honestly. This is just a lot of build up to my vote, <laughs> right? Um, well, I, do we I, each want to say this was, like yeah, a say one good thing that we really like about this movie? To Thirty yeah. second thing about the movie. Yeah. Yes, let's do it. Chad, you go first. So I love that it's a movie about brothers. I think the dynamic is really good, uh, but and I think that the performances and the writing and just the characterization between Peter, Jack, and Francis are all great. I love the imagery that's just very on the nose and obvious about grief and how each of these characters are dealing with the death of their dad. I really love the camera direction of this movie. I think it's a beautiful-looking movie. Um the West does a great job and the cinematographer, I forget his name, but they do a great job of just making that space of this small cramped train just so dynamic and interesting throughout. Um, the color scheme is great. A lot of yellow, a lot of green. Um, and it's just, uh, just a good, good movie about, uh, you know, a, these three privileged white boys who go on a misadventure in a way they, they try to like, find a spiritual awakening through a um a trip with like the most strict itinerary and uh you know they're like trying to be as like loose as possible but also as rigidly strict with the rules as possible and it just it doesn't work in the way they thought they did but they end up finding out what they needed to become brothers again and to to grieve together and uh to i don't know listen to their heart <laughs> it's a good movie it's, it's a hard good movie to sum up Mark, talk about it. Um, I we had a great discussion about why Wes Anderson usually works better on a second watch for me, and, and Chad kind of agreed. And I, that's the kind of feeling I get from this movie. Now you might say, Mark, you delayed so much. Why didn't you just watch it a second time? And my answer is, I didn't feel like spending four dollars to rent it again, um, yep. which I'm just cheap. I I do think that on a second watch, I would really enjoy this movie, and I like it a lot better. 
I also mentioned during the episode that I watched uh, Life Aquatic uh, for the first time in quick uh, procession of watching this movie for the first time, and I liked this a lot better than Life Aquatic because it uh, didn't start with a really pretentious uh, cinema opening. Um, so cinema which, uh, is good, though. I do like cinema. <laughs> cinema the the is thing good. is, I I very famously only watched the first five minutes of Steve's as well, so that's yeah. funny to hear that that is like, yeah. It, uh, some of the most, like, annoying Wes Anderson I've ever seen is yep, the first time. Yep, that's why I left. Um, and I, I it, what I'm saying, though, is that I liked this the first time a lot more than I liked Life Aquatic the mm-hmm. first time. Um, I think I would really like it a second time. I, I just haven't seen it the second time. Right. <laughs> I thought this movie was good. It worked for me in a way that a lot of Wes Anderson movies don't really. Um, I kind of have an issue with Wes Anderson kind of holding me at an arm length different, uh, distance. And there were still elements of that in this movie, but I felt uh, more connected to the characters. Uh, there were some things that didn't work for me. Uh, one notable sequence that featured the death of a kid, um, which, you know, in our previous discussion, Chad, it kind of laid out why that actually was um, kind of compelling from, you know, the, the storyline aspect. But... Um, I, I was a bit iffy on it, and um, but but it, but it works for me in a way that a lot of other Wes Anderson stuff doesn't. Um, I thought a lot of the metaphors that were a bit on the nose, um, such as literally leaving their le- their baggage behind, actually mm-hmm. worked quite well for being on the nose moments. And um, and, on Owen Wilson's nose, and literally on Owen Wilson's nose, there was symbolism. Some yeah, it's yep. a good good on the nose metaphor. It's it's very good. Um, and, yeah, I like this movie. However, I did think that I liked Sunshine more. Chad thought he liked um, Darjeeling more. It's yep. one of his favorite movies, period. Um, and now we turn to Mark to decide. Uh, well, as I was in the middle of deliberating, and I think I was literally like one second away from saying my decision. I think um, you yep. were too, yeah, when the computer <laughs> I, crashed. I don't think it's particularly fair because Sunshine is a movie I've seen at least two times now. Um, and I still don't like 100% love it. And I wonder if on rewatch of this movie I would change my mind. Um, but I think I have to go to go with Sunshine for now. Sorry, Chad. So couldn't, just to make Chad's even, week even, even fucking worse. <laughs> you can't even pretend to like my favorite movie of all time more than a movie you just said you didn't like. That's cool. That makes me feel good. That makes this whole week oh, and oh this whole God. recording worth it. I'm glad my car battery got stolen now because it's allowed me... To get to this point. <laughs> Chad, I wish we all didn't live so far away from each other because I would have driven over and given you a big hug. Yeah, well, Chad, well, you would have given me the damn coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, Chad, I wish not, you could but... drive over to me. Uh, it, uh, your car doesn't work. Sorry. Uh... <laughs> worked, I, think I got I it fixed. I spent a lot of money to fix the hood and get a new battery. So Good. that was uh, annoying. I, mm-hmm. I would have like I would have loved actually like held a sign outside of your um, <laughs> door that said I support you, <laughs> and people would be very confused. It's interesting as to what that it was you about. said love actually and not say anything. Say anything, it's a boombox. Well, yeah, but like I the want... signs are at the front door, and they're not wearing masks, and they're not they're uh-huh. not socially distanced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> say anything yeah, would be more sure. appropriate, I think. Hey, remember when there's that great Hillary Clinton say anything thing on SNL? Hope we don't get a repeat of that. That's anyway. That's love actually. <laughs> that yeah yeah that's what I meant. Love yeah. actually. 
Uh, I'm losing it. We should probably okay. end this podcast. Probably. <laughs> well, I'm... in this episode, we're not ending the entire show quite yet. I'm um, sad. I know, Chad. I'm so sorry. This happened um, to Rushmore, too. I don't know why it happens to all the Wes Anderson movies. Did it really happen yeah. to both Wes Anderson movies? It happened to movies? Rushmore and it happened to this one that we had to So nobody really knows our thoughts on Wes Anderson. No, they know how we... I just assume they do. No, uh, I think that was the one we shortened. I really think it was. Yeah. There, there's I'll go back a couple where we've the, had to do this for. I'll go back and look at the time code, but I think it was the kind of thing where it's like, we lost the whole thing, so we're just going to tell you our thoughts really quickly. What yeah. Um, Shit. Yeah. That really sucks. We should do like a Wes Anderson retrospective at some point. Hey, um, okay. I, I'll I'll talk to you guys about something off pod. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, let, let's wrap Although up the Although that would be though. the most cursed episode ever. We would. There's no way we'd ever release <laughs> a Wes Anderson retrospective. Oh, man. Okay, so um, that's going to be it for the show. We're not cool. even going to bother um, you know where to you guys where us. to find us. L- 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 listen to one of the other episodes if you don't already know where to find yes. us. Yes. Listen to Live and Let Cry, which just came out. We did an episode on Pursuit of Happiness. It was a good episode. But I think, don't worry about following us. Follow yeah. your Heart. conscious conscience um, and uh, fucking go vote if you haven't voted. You, you know, at the, be- at the beginning of every um, Live and Let Cry podcast, you always ask Eli how he is. And right. this week I could have used that phrase. Yeah, sorry. Well, I knew the answer is the thing. I'm not sure. <laughs> and it's not great. It's not um, Hey, if but yes, if you are listening to this on Monday or Tuesday morning, go vote. There's no reason not to. And if you're listening to it after the fact and uh, just I hope everything's going well for you <laughs> is what I will say. Um, okay. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, fuck the itinerary. Next time on Best Pictures, we are covering the 2007 Oscar winner, No Country for Old Men, another Coen Brothers movie. It is currently available to stream on Stars.